it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the WTF1 podcast, where we have finished Formula One testing and we are hurtling towards the first race of the season at Bahrain. And we just decided we're going to talk, we're going to answer some of your Formula One testing questions. Of course, some of it's going to be speculation because we don't have all the answers as much as Tommy looks like he has all the answers. Uh, and that brings me beautifully into announcing, announcing. Uh, kind of just saying who's on the podcast, but we're going to announce it. It's uh, the WTF1 founder and probably one of the best looking men to wear a headset, uh, Tom Bellingham uh, and and Katie Fairman, the WTF1 editor who, who doesn't like over the head, over the ear headphones anymore. She's 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 on the I've iPod opted, life. I've opted for a iPod, different iPhone, uh, a different headphones. kind of setup today. We'll see if it's any better, but. Go yeah. for the streamlined effect. You know, me and Tommy wouldn't be particularly aerodynamic in this, uh, this uh, particular <laughs> setup. Anyway, we move on. Uh, so, yeah, Formula One testing is what we're going to talk about today. Uh, so let's get straight into it. Hi there, underscore F1 comes in with sandbagging or real struggle for Mercedes. We're going straight in with full speculation mode. Of course, we have made a video in the past, in the past, not that long ago, actually, where we uh, said about Formula One times in testing don't really matter. Uh, however, there are things you can dissect, uh, especially if you're, you, you know, you're riding on board with a certain car to really understand how a car is handling. And I assume that's what uh, both of you guys are going to dive into as well. But from my side of things, it looked as if that Mercedes was a handful. Of course, you know, Toto Wolf came out and said he found the hair in the soup uh, afterwards, which was a very, I felt like it's a very British phrase. Isn't it that sort of I've thing? I've never heard that in my life. No. <laughs> no, I've never heard of it, but uh, it sounds very British. Either way, it, I didn't expect Toto to come out with it either way. Uh, but yeah, they, apparently they found the problem with uh, with the car after uh, after testing, because clearly there were some issues that the Mercedes wasn't dialed in. Hamilton himself lost it around the final corner, starting a hot lap, not even not even on a hot lap, which is sounds very Formula One game and me. That's the kind of relationship I have. Um, but yeah, that, that was that's my thoughts on it. Yeah, that's me on uh, my my short little iRacing career that we, we which did I keep about telling you to get back on. I know like, I'm moving house. Yeah, I know. But yeah, iRacing, you kind of go out the pits, you don't warm your tires up, and then you realise it's a realistic sim and plant the throttle and you spin off, and that's what well, that's what Hamilton did. He did blame uh, on cold tires, didn't he? He did. I wonder how much uh, effectively, you know, Das not being there. Maybe they mm. just seem to. They just seem to struggle, and this is the thing with sandbagging versus struggle. We've had Mercedes before where they don't set the best lap time. That's fine, but we still know they're going to be at the front. This is genuine because you can just see, like they'd have nothing to gain from spinning off, beaching it in the gravel. You know, Hamilton beached it in the gravel, and everyone. Uh, one of the things they didn't want everyone to see was the floor. And then obviously <laughs> Hamilton Beach in the gravel, they have to put it on the back of a truck. And I'm sure Red Bull, Ferrari, everyone else saw their competitors got to that. see a yeah nice, nice look at their uh, floor. So yeah, it's one of those things where they, uh, yeah, they're not, they're not sandbagging. Don't, don't get me wrong. I'm not, not believing for a second that they're going to be in the midfield. We definitely know that for a fact, but 
clearly that car has setup issues. It's a really bizarre place to be, isn't it? Because like you say, we're used to Mercedes not topping every single session in pre-season testing, but this almost seems a step too far. Uh, Mercedes come into F1 every year and Toto Wolf is very, like, keeps his cards to his chest and says, you know, this could be the year that we don't do as well as we normally do. And then they absolutely ace it and everybody's like, come on, mate, you know, we know you're going to absolutely smash it every year on year. But for this season, it was just, it's so un-Mercedes, like, for them to have such an amateurish few days of testing. Um, obviously, uh, Lewis... Katie stuff- firing already, amateurish, yeah. <laughs> straight out the blocks. <laughs> but it's not like Lewis. Lewis doesn't want to look like an idiot, but the way that the car was handling makes him look like he had no clue what he was doing. And, I mean, Mercedes are the only team to have not done a pre-season. I can see you laughing <laughs> Mercedes were the only team not to do a pre-test shakedown so it could have been that they weren't able to iron out any of the imperfections that they did have but still it's just really strange for Mercedes and naturally it's going to be a huge talking point which is why we're all talking about it exactly Toto Wolf did shrug off the fact that they didn't do a shakedown as not the reason why they had the the gearbox issues and 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 whatever else were, were were kind of looming over them over the three days they were the the team to complete the least laps of everybody which is that's that's the thing that really i'm dialing into there that's that's what i'm focusing in on because of course te- you know times we don't know who's running what you don't know if uh you know yuki sonoda's running drs the entire lap and <laughs> things like that cheeky, you mean he's that, not going to be world champion <laughs> <laughs> it, we'll get on to him but um but but generally speaking you know mercedes I think last year especially, they were top of the mileage, or at least they were right at the top because, you know, they were showing the consistency, they were showing the bulletproof, um, well, yeah, the, the the creation of their car is usually, you know, the, I think the last time Hamilton conked out of a race was 2018 Australia or something. Mm-hmm. I, I remember seeing all kinds of stats flying up on screen during testing. But yeah, it's just, it's it's uncharacteristic for Mercedes to, to show a few vulnerabilities before a season starts and of course we're jumping on it you know we're i've, I've already said that hamilton's probably going to get polled by seven tenths and you know run away with it uh, when we get to, to round one but right now i have a glimmer of hope which usually i don't have um and of course mercedes have come out and said they're not the fastest car red bull at the quickest they're not fastest around one lap and blah 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 blah. you know we'll, we'll take that with a pinch of salt or sand <laughs> hey. uh, oh, you did there um but yeah, so that's an interesting question. Let's move on to another one. Ruben GNW asks, I know it's the question which is being asked most, but can we expect Red Bull to start ahead of Mercedes in 2021? Even ignoring lap times, the Mercedes looked really unstable and the drivers were struggling, where Max and Checo both looked very comfy and the car looked great. The Red Bull did look a lot more stable, uh, which is what you know we've, we've, we've looked at when you, when you watch testing. Uh, I think there's a high likelihood that Red Bull could challenge Mercedes into, into Bahrain. When you look at Abu Dhabi, Max outqualified the Mercedes on pure pace and pure performance. There wasn't any other variables there, really. Uh, so, so Red Bull finished the year strong. And going into this year, where there, is, there aren't a huge amount of technical changes, there are a few on the, the rear side of the car, uh, stripping back the, the aero of that side of thing, isn't it? I, I, the I'm, floor aero. Yeah, the floor area. Yeah. Um, but, you know, so there are still changes. And Mercedes have gone for like a, a very wavy sort of floor design. And, you know, I remember Toto Wolf in his interview didn't really understand what Rosanna Tennant was saying when she was saying like, it's like a ripple effect. And he's like, oh, what? <laughs> um, but yeah, the, you know, there clearly are still changes. And Mercedes look a little bit, 
a little bit like they're not completely happy with how it's all gone. And three days of testing doesn't give them a lot of time to fix things either. Yeah, it couldn't have been better timing for hype building, I guess, and especially our, our watch along that Hamilton had that spin. You know, I think all of us were kind of thinking, you know, he's had these spins. I'm sure on the final lap, suddenly the car will look amazing and he's going to be you know, setting an unbelievable lap time and we'll all be like, okay, there's the Mercedes. But still on his final few laps just before, you know, pretty much the end of testing, like we said, it's only a short amount of time. And Lewis Hamilton is, we, we said it on the watch line, didn't we? Correcting his car more in a single lap than he probably did for the entirety of last season. Because <laughs> that, that Mercedes, you were used to just watching those qualifying laps. They're absolutely on rails. You turn in the car sticks, never has to make any kind of correction. And Hamilton, like that car looked an absolute handful. And again, to, to go back to the previous question, that is not sandbagging. They have nothing to gain from essentially <laughs> doing that. So it's very interesting to see how it's going to be there is hope people there's hope yeah i mean there's lots of people online aren't there they're saying oh well mercedes they could be keeping their cards close to their chest but why would you want to make another form of sandbagging basically yeah Yeah. like why would you want to make yourself look so like you've had such a fallback i don't understand that it just they didn't come across at all well like you say least amount of laps done um they didn't really, Lewis Hamilton didn't exactly set the world alight on the final third day with his times. I mean, people like Kimi Raikkonen did a quicker time than him on the same compound of tyres. Obviously, track conditions change, but it's a weird one. But in terms of answering this question with Red Bull, I mean, Red Bull were quickest overall. Verstappen set a 128.96 on the third day with um, compound four tyres. The car responded really well to all the setup changes. Plus, Red Bull have the strongest driver lineup in years, in my opinion. You've got Max, who we all know is an absolute feisty driver. He's excellent, future world champion, no doubt. And Sergio Perez, who's also mega experienced. Obviously, he's now a race winner, and he's going to be wanting to prove to people that he is the driver that he know he has been for a long time, but just maybe hasn't had the cast to prove it. So with all the experience and the great drivers and that Honda, Honda power unit looking strong, I think we've got our best chance in a, a few years for Red Bull to really take it to Mercedes. And as Tommy said, he would just get, just get into te- uh, regulation <laughs> changes and we seem to have potentially a close <laughs> championship fight. You know, That would just be typical, wouldn't it? That- we'll, we'll, we'll wait for round one to really make a, a full mm. judgment on whether we're yeah yeah we don't we don't know obviously again it's all speculation but it really is red bull there's no question that red bull have started stronger than they've done in ages and red bull like like you mentioned even even people that play their cards close to their chest like you say helmet marco said this is the best start we've ever had as a an f1 Pardon team on the pressure. so Maybe they're just maybe they're going for the whole mind games approach and just yeah. saying, "Yeah, we are amazing. Try and beat us, Mac." Yes, Big please. Big brain power. Yes, yeah. please, indeed. Yes, please. Uh, we interrupt this WTF One podcast for a very quick chat about one of our sponsors for this episode, LinkedIn Jobs. If you own a business, big or small, then listen up. Twenty twenty one is looking up, which means there should be plenty of new opportunities for you to grow your business. Whether you're shifting business hours or hiring more remote employees. One thing that remains unchanged is the importance of having the right people on your team. 
When you're ready to make that next hire, LinkedIn Jobs can help by matching your role with qualified candidates so that you can find the right person quickly. And to lend a helping hand, your first job post is free. LinkedIn is an active community of professionals with more than 30 million members in the UK. So when your business is ready to make that next hire, find the right person with LinkedIn Jobs. And now you can post a job for free. Just visit linkedin.com slash WTF1. Again, that's linkedin.com slash WTF1 to post a job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Moving on, uh, Vettel, La- Vettel Laporte, as a motorbike goes flying past my uh, <laughs> That was my not house. Vettel. we might finally be seeing lewis in an unstable unpredictable car undoubtedly a goat tier driver but might we see him struggling in a similar fashion to seb 2018 2019 spins not quite 2020 level when the ferrari became unstable now i i'm not going to start bashing vettel here but in my opinion hamilton is a is a level above vettel as a driver and his adaptability uh, he's he's proved that he's won in every single season he's ever raced in, and that's a lot of different technical regulations. Vettel, of course, it was incredible in the Red Bull, and it's clear that he's 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 great when the car suits him. Hamilton, of course, you know he's had years where he struggled. The early years at McLaren, of course, you know the first couple of years were, were great, but then it did tail off, and he did have a bad car. It's not like he's never driven a bad car before. Uh, so I don't I don't see a fall off. I feel like he would have less patience with the media and we might see the sassy side of Hamilton because he's so used to winning so used to being on the podium if that then just fell away I can't imagine he'd want to to end his career which is you know undoubtedly coming up at some point uh on a low so I don't think we'll see a much of a fall off personally I think he'll still get the most out of the car and it'll just be really interesting to see you know how his racecraft is after being out in front for so long and not really having to deal with much but back markers <laughs> yeah I'm wondering how much of the interviews of oh, come on, we need people to be fighting at the front and how exciting it would be if Red Bull catch up that if they are a little bit behind, whether he'll still be so like, yeah, it's great. Um, but back to the whole like Vettel thing, I can't see, while, while we're thinking the Mercedes is a bit of a struggle, I can't see there being, you know, Lewis Hamilton spin Yala memes for a whole year and him spinning off constantly. That's... I just cannot see that happening. I think Mercedes will sort their issues out and agree Hamilton's more of a, an adaptable driver. But if they don't sort their issues out and you do get four or five races before they kind of get this issue sorted and they kind of find the sweet spot with their car, it's going to be great to see. This is what people want to see. You want to see Hamilton fighting with Verstappen and having to do a lot more than just winning from Prowl. I know, of course, he has proved it in the past, but this is, you know, what we, what everyone, I'm sure, wants to see. So, yeah, bring it on. Yeah, it's going to be exciting. I think with Sebastian, obviously, we know that he's a four-time world champion. He's obviously not a shoddy driver, is he, if he's got that many world championships? And when that's partnered with a car that just isn't responding in the ways you want it to, you're going to struggle. Um, but for Lewis, I'd like to think that although it's a possibility that he might have a bit of a wobbly year, um, hopefully he's the kind of driver that would actually enjoy having those battles with the Red Bulls, with the McLarens, if they continue with the pace they've got, um, rather than just thinking, oh, I wish I was all on my own, 30 seconds ahead of the whole field, just tootling around uh, with no one to fight with. I'd like to think that he'd be wanting to bring out that fighter um instinct that he's got 
because we've seen from old interviews and stuff how amazing he was fighting up the fields when he was in junior series. And yeah, I'd like to think that maybe he's missed a little bit of that when we saw Hamilton and Vettel having a bit of a, a battle in, I think it was Turkey last year. Both of those drivers absolutely loved it. So although maybe Lewis might get a bit tired of having to uh, fight for for wins and stuff, if it's over a 23 race calendar, um, maybe if the car is, you know, struggling like we've seen in pre-season testing, then he might enjoy that. But I'm not sure. Like you say, we'll probably get to Bahrain and it'll be a Mercedes one too. And we'll just laugh at all these conversations that we had. <laughs> but we have to have them. We, we have do. to have them purely because there is a glimmer of hope. And I think, you know, Hamilton Doug has said in you know media interviews many times that he relishes the fight and he'd love to see the Red Bulls and the Ferraris up there. And, and I genuinely do believe him because I think in, you know, in 2019, for example, when he was fighting Vettel and, you know, the Ferrari was strong, I feel like he did enjoy that battle. So I don't think he's really, you know, blowing smoke up our ass. I don't think that's the correct term, but um, you know, he, he's not kind of just lying to us in the sense yeah. of, you know, I, I think he does enjoy that more than just toodling out in front, you know, and fighting Bottas for a win. Oh no, Bottas is locked up. Oh, I got another win. You know, so, <laughs> you know, they're all racers and they want that competition. And I think Hamilton himself, you know, he's in this prime position now where, you know, he, he thinks he's in the best form of his life, right? He thinks he can still keep going and he's got all the experience under uh, on his shoulders. So, I don't know. I, I think um, it would be really interesting if if just the Red Bulls are on a similar pace to Mercedes. I think we could have an awesome, awesome fight. You've got Perez, who is looking to to really prove himself. This is his only opportunity, really, to to potentially win a world title uh, because you never know what Red Bull, you know, and behind closed doors, what they're thinking. You know, Alex Albon in this development role, and is he going to have a year and then they go back to to him? You know, it's going to have to be a huge season from Perez. Verstappen, of course, he will literally chomp on an opportunity to to be anywhere near a world title challenge and then Bottas I mean he's uh he's he's um he's got, he's he's got some mind him. games he's, yeah. he's, he's got a plan he's naked in a in a spa saying he's gonna win again BTS <laughs> spoilers by the way about yeah give a bit of context to that but, yeah no that sounds a bit odd doesn't it but that's drive to survive season three you, you'll you'll understand it when uh when you see it on the 19th but yeah it's, it's going to be awesome. I hope it's going to be awesome. Fingers crossed. I feel like I've just jinxed it and Sailors will win uh, earlier than they've ever done. Moving on. Uh, Harry Oliver, 07. How much do you think Ferrari have recovered this season? Do you think they challenge Merck and Red Bull or still be in around the midfield? No, they're not going to challenge Mercedes and Red Bull. I think that's pretty clear to see. I, I think they <laughs> they would have any kind... They, they, I don't think they could have gone any further backwards if they tried. You know, they were slower than Alfa Romeo for half of the season last year. So it's it's difficult. They didn't set the test alight. I felt like they were just kind of in the mid midfield and just chilling and they had an okay test and not a huge amount of things went wrong. And you've got, you've got signs who nearly exploded into Kimi Raikkonen at the end of the test, which was a very odd thing. But he was on a flying lap, I believe, and that's why he sent it on Kimi. Uh, they're already practicing racing the Alphas. Yeah, literally. Uh, but no, I don't see Ferrari being anywhere near Mercedes and Red Bull, and I think they'd be lucky to finish third or fourth in the championship. Oh, absolutely. I, we've we've said it before that for Ferrari, if they don't have a great season, it's not actually too bad. Not that they would sandbag, but obviously we know that they, they get more time in the wind tunnel and all that kind of stuff if they they do worse. But I can't see them improving you know they've said the engine is better uh which again can't which is kind worse. of like 
Williams going, we're better. Um, <laughs> but yeah, the the Ferrari engine apparently is is a lot better, but I can't see them being yeah for i i'd completely rule out them being anywhere near mercedes and red bull unless they have done the greatest sandbag and it's them that were sandbagging all along like surprise unless they have another sealed envelope <clears throat> of uh of doom have of, a year of, of just having an over overpowered engine and yeah exactly but no i'd be i think they've got a real fight on with mclaren alpha tauri uh alpine and yeah aston so it could be that midfield battle looks so close. It really could be a case where Ferrari, you know, finishing seventh in the championship, which is pretty appalling, really, isn't it? Oh, imagine the scenes. I think you couldn't get worse than sixth in the championship, but here we are. No, but it just proves how unrealistic the pre-season test times are because Ferrari were apparently third quickest, with a 129.6. So the only two that quicker were Red Bull and Alpha Tauri. Um, and they also did the third, well, second, but there were two teams that did the joint most laps and then it was Ferrari with 404 laps. So, you know, they've got a nice consistent car and um, like Tommy said, the, the power... 404 unit, memes. Yeah. 404. Oh, yeah, 404. Like. Error 404. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, the power unit's definitely got a lot more oomph than it has previously, and that's a technical term, oomph. Um, but they've made changes to the rear as well, trying to get back any lost downforce. But unfortunately, my view is that they're still going to be midfield. Hopefully, they'll finish higher than sixth, but we'll go into it a bit more later. But I think there's going to be a quite a juicy battle for midfield this year, and Ferrari have really got to up their game because there are some pretty competitive people that are going to be fighting them in the midfield. So let's midfield just battle being juicy. That's, that's every year, isn't it? It's just yeah, uh, better yeah. this year. Formula 1.5. Um, <laughs> yeah. Moving on, unless you had anything else to say, Tommy, you looked like you were ready to jump no, in. No, no, I was just going to say, yeah, F1, F1.5 looks like it's going to continue and be even better. Exciting. Uh, Devolia ESP asks, how alarming is the situation at Aston? Everyone talks about the Merc, but the Aston situation seems way worse. Obviously, they didn't set any sort of representative lap time on the last day, which is usually the day where everyone turns up the wick a little bit. Uh, you know, we see the fastest times on the final day. Uh, and yet they were plum last, weren't they? Stroll and Vettel. There was no real well, you can't say qualifying runs, but you know, faster runs from them. Uh, of course, they still put mileage on the clock. They still were not last like Mercedes, but there wasn't a huge amount more uh, mileage. I don't, I don't know if anyone has the laps to hand, um, but I don't think it was many more laps at all. 314 laps for Aston yeah. Martin and 304 for Mercedes. Yeah, so 10 so more 10. laps. <laughs> not a huge amount. And yeah, it did, it did look a little bit concerning. Um, and... There has been talk as well around Aston Martin and the fact that uh, they were able to change quite a few more things under the development token thing, which will be they're releasing a video very soon um, about uh, the development tokens and stuff. But Aston Martin have been able to essentially change the rear of their car for free because of the fact that they were just upgrading parts from 2019 to 2020. It's very complicated, but we'll, we'll you know we'll, we'll simplify it down for a video coming out at the end of the week, hopefully. But it's interesting that Aston have somehow found this this loophole, as some teams were saying, of getting free upgrades on their car, and yet they look one of the worst teams in testing. Yeah, I mean, they had the the pink Mercedes last year, as it was pink Mercedes klaxon going off. Um, but 
their their car this year is not a Mercedes replica like it was last year. They've changed a lot. It is noticeably different, but it just doesn't look particularly great. They just seemed a bit meh. Is the uh, probably the um, technical explanation for Aston Martin's? So test. we've had oomph meh. and we've got meh. They just they only just the didn't... best insights. <laughs> WTF one. <laughs> they just didn't seem to, especially after. I think it was the last podcast we had questions like Aston Martin look really good, don't they? And we said, well, we've not seen them in testing yet. Are you just believing this Lawrence, Lawrence Stroll hype yeah. that they've Aston got? Aston Martin look good at their livery launch, where the yeah, they've got moving. James Bond, and they've you know they've, they've they've proper gone ham on the whole like we're Aston Martin, we're going to be this amazing super team and challenge everyone. And then it seems like they've got to testing, and it's a bit like, oh yeah, F one's difficult. <laughs> um, so they yeah didn't set many laps. They had mechanical failures they didn't like i say didn't do a fast run so it's very hard to tell but it's not looking great for them to think that at the end of the year they got a victory under racing point and i'm still adamant despite them not finishing third they did have the third best car last season so yeah not not the greatest start for the new team name at least there's a lot of excitement obviously to do with aston martin but it's more than just a name change above the top of the door. Um, Like Matt said, there are lots of different things that have gone into making this car, hopefully a better version of the the 2019 racing point that we saw. Um, But like Tommy was saying, there were so many issues. We had electrical glitches, we had gearbox problems, they had a loss of boost pressure, which affected Sebastian Vettel on the last day. Um, And although lots of these things could be put down as sort of teething issues, they're not a completely new team that have just rocked up. Like a lot of the team personnel are the same and engineers and mechanics in the garage. So there's still hope that it could get sorted hopefully relatively quickly and they can be up in the upper midfield again. But yeah, there's quite a lot of variables. Um, And I mean, Vettel just had an absolute shocking test, although he's being very optimistic and says he's still got a lot to learn and he's just still getting to know the car. He set 117 laps over the three-day test, which is the least of everyone apart from Roy Nassani, who was in the the Williams for one day and he's their test driver. So Really not a great start for for Vettel, but we can hope that they put their ducks in a row, another technical term, and uh, they can get themselves sorted, ready for the first race in Bahrain. Vettel finally gets the Mercedes power unit and then has a boost issue. (laughs) Poor guy. (laughs) It's like, yes, I've not got the Ferrari power unit anymore. And then that comes up on the dash. You have no power. Oh, wonderful. (laughs) He's just used to a terrible car. (laughs) Oh God, uh, shots being fired <laughs> always uh, from, from Casey Fairman. Um, also, very quickly, Tommy was right. The car no way is the best looking car out there on the track. Not I a chance. Unless it's there's dumb. someone, unless they have like a, a lighting crew going round the, with the car at all times. <laughs> no, and an Instagram filter. Yeah. No one can tell us that that looks like the best car on the grid now when it's actually out there on, on the track. No way. Um, Alpine smashing it. We interrupt this WTF1 podcast for a very quick chat about our final sponsor of this episode, ExpressVPN. When you use the bathroom, you always close the door behind you, right? You don't want random passerbys to look in on you. So why would you let people look in on you when you go online? Using the internet without ExpressVPN is like going to the bathroom and not closing the door. 
Did you know that your internet service provider knows every single website you visit? And what's worse is they can sell this information to ad companies and tech giants who will use your data to target you. ExpressVPN puts a stop to this. It creates a secure, encrypted tunnel between your device and the internet so that your online activity can't be seen by anyone. I use ExpressVPN on all my devices. It works on everything, phones, laptops, anything you can think of. So everyone who shares your Wi-Fi can still be protected, even if they don't have ExpressVPN. ExpressVPN is the world's number one rated VPN by CNET, Wired, The Verge and countless others. So if you're like me and believe your online activity is your business, secure yourself by visiting expressvpn.com forward slash WTF1 today. Use our exclusive link expressvpn.com slash WTF1 and you can get an extra three months free. That's expressvpn.com forward slash WTF1. Right, back to the podcast. Kieran W1014, do you think that the midfield order will see much change? While it is just testing... You have to remember that. <laughs> Alpha Tauri looked better than I ever expected. And Alfa Romeo looked like they could be much closer to the midfield pack with the improved Ferrari PU power unit. Um, again, it is just testing. And we have to go off the mileage and things like that. And I think Alpha Tauri, especially with, um, with Yuki Sonoda, and of course, you know, there were things about him using DRS too early and gaining a bit of time here and there. But it's not like he gained two seconds by using DRS. Uh, and generally, I think that's a, a really exciting lineup, not just the car, but but Sonoda, who, you know, I was a little bit like, you know, will it take him a bit of time? And, you know, he, he was great in F2, but he wasn't the best in F2. He didn't win the championship. Uh, he was but, the best in F2. Oh, Tommy's, right, so Tommy's going to be raging yeah. at I'm that. Just trying to, I'm just trying to trick you. Uh, but, but, you know, coming back round so Tommy doesn't kill me, I, I think, you know, he, he did look really comfortable and really confident in the car and... I feel like Gasly will have a, a job on his hands to keep Sonoda at bay. I still think Gasly will beat Sonoda over the course of a season. Uh, so, you know, I've got to stick with, stick with my guns on that one. But in terms of midfield order changing, it's, it's, it's so difficult to say. You know, there's speculation and then there's, you know, where does the midfield stack up? Uh, and uh, yeah, I think Alfa Tauri definitely looking strong and Alfa Romeo could easily still be ahead of Ferrari. I say still, that's such a weird thing to say that they were kind of, better than Ferrari for a lot of last season. Yeah, I, th- I think other than Mercedes being poor, I think Alpha Tauri were maybe one of the surprises of the test, really, because, again, lap times, we don't go into it, however much I would um, love a title fight between Max Verstappen and Yuki Tsunoda. Uh, it's probably <laughs> not going to happen. <laughs> but the the Alpha Tauri look at looked absolutely planted like the if you watch i think f1 shared a video with verstappen and they compared the two laps and the cars looked identical there's a lot of talk that they are identical and mm. um, the alpha tauri have gone for the red bull front wing and front nose and stuff now uh changed their car a bit and it is pretty much maybe less controversially but they're uh similar to racing point um, They've got they are running a 2020 Red Bull pretty much so they, they look very quick I wouldn't be surprised if they were quicker than Aston Martin um, that, that they look like the biggest surprise I wouldn't I wouldn't put it against Alpha Tauri maybe being best of the rest with McLaren those two fighting for best of the rest which would be oh. a big surprise um, I don't think anyone really expected 
Alpha Tauri of all teams. There was a lot of hype for Aston Martin, wasn't there, and whether Ferrari would come back. And then if out of nowhere, Alpha Tauri end up really good. Uh, and what we saw with the Honda Power unit, uh, it'll probably break down every race now I've said this. But <laughs> yeah, watch it this. No doubt out in Q1. Yeah, it first. <laughs> as, now I've said this, but the I think if a lot of people would have bet maybe the the Red Bull and the Alpha Tower and the Honda engine be the one that's having the failures and the problems, but they just seem to be able to just do lap after lap without issues, which was amazing to see. They were so consistent during pre-season testing. I mean, Gazi was just setting almost identical lap time after lap time. Um, and obviously everybody was super hyped when Sonoda put in that absolute sensational lap, although it was probably quite influenced by the fact that he had his DRS flap open for... And C5 tyres. I mean, let's not, yeah. let's not, I think sensational is <clears throat> a bit strong. Uh, Tommy would probably use it. But... Yeah. <laughs> Part of the, <laughs> no, the lap of the gods. <laughs> yeah, but I think we're definitely going to see a much closer midfield this year. I think Red Bull, Mercedes and McLaren... They're probably going to be the top three. Um, and Haas and Williams, I think, are just going to be at the back. But everyone else in between, Alpine, Alfa Tauri, Alfa Romeo, Aston Martin, Ferrari, all in that mi- midfield battle. And I think it's going to get spicy. What? Spicy. Go- <laughs> going, back to the, going back to the Honda engine very quickly, uh, if, and it's a big if, they have absolutely nailed it like we think and maybe, you know, Red Bull, are the best team, AlphaTauri are best of the rest. How very Honda that they leave the sport just mm-hmm. as they're on the verge of greatness. It would just be so... T- it, like They did that last time, didn't they, with Braun? Like, come on, guys. <laughs> so true. Stick it out. Yeah, definitely. Uh, moving on, next question. Bartlett, 8166. What's your opinion on Williams giving a whole day of testing to Nisani? Seems like a bit of a cash grab to me and could end up hurting Russell and Latifi. Yeah, I think we mentioned it in the watch along. I think it was Tommy uh, when we were watching the la- the final hour of testing. It just yeah, it's a hundred percent a cash grab. There is no benefit to Roy Nassani plonking himself into that car for an entire day in the Williams for day one of testing of a three day test. It's just the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen. But that's you know that's clearly they need the money, and it would have been a serious Wonga check for uh, Roy Nassani to, to be in the first day of testing and have the whole day. Was it that? It was the whole day, wasn't it, to mm-hmm. himself? Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, there wasn't a huge amount of laps either. It was like 86 and probably his neck fell off because he hasn't driven an F1 car in ages. <laughs> but, you know, that's it's uh, it, there was no benefit to that. Of course, they get a bit of data, but it's neither of their two drivers going into the season. The feedback probably wasn't particularly high quality either, just purely because Nassani doesn't drive the Formula 1 car that right, often. He doesn't have so. a super licence, does he? Because didn't he have the green light on the, the back of his car which means you don't have a super license or, or enough super license points i believe i don't know so that i don't that's, think he's that's... even got a super okay license. so it was illegal for him to drive is that what you're saying Tommy? no 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 <laughs> he <laughs> just drove around no just, just saying for people that maybe don't know about um F- f2 like you know he's not he's not a seasoned veteran shall we say he's very much like uh yeah not not uh not the person you'd expect to be driving but funny <laughs> it is. I do feel bad for Williams because obviously torn between needing serious cash injection and then getting their actual drivers in the car for good feedback, which if they do that properly will then lead to more money further down the line if the car's good and they can get championship points. But I guess for the they d- came to the decision that they needed that money now, and so yeah, they put Nissani in the car, but. They've just written it off, haven't they? They've just, they're yeah, clearly not going, not going into 21 thinking we're going to score points. You know, as long as they beat Haas, who have just literally just 
gone here's our car there's a few more pointy bits to kind of go with the regulations and that's all they've changed so i think they're hoping that they'll beat Haas, and then you know if if for whatever reason a ridiculous turkey race happens they can potentially steal a point but yeah it's uh it's clearly yeah. just something that they've they've just prioritized getting some money and it doesn't really matter too much so it's gonna be George, interesting sorry what are you gonna say to me i said it on the watch along that williams are one of those old school teams obviously uh frank and claire are no longer sort of involved that side but they're they're very much that old school team you know we saw it in uh i want to say season one of drive to survive can't remember season one or season two where it's the williams episode and you know they're they're building all the parts themselves aren't they getting uh which is a struggle for (laughs) the brilliant scene of uh, so uh, where's the front wing oh uh yeah exactly uh, somewhere and williams always wanted kind of they're still you could either say they're doing Formula One properly, or you could say they're maybe living in the past a bit when you see someone like Racing Point with, uh, you know, storming to a race win because they've essentially just copied the Mercedes. Um, so maybe this is a change of Williams that just say, look, we need to do these things now. We need money coming in to have a better future. And maybe while it's not an, it's not a popular thing, and no doubt there'll be some people not happy and maybe feel a little bit disappointed by it you've got to do what you've got to do in f1 to survive i guess you do and and move up the move up the order and maybe this is what they need to move up the order more more money and then they can they can do this now while they're at the back get get more money in and then they'll be laughing hopefully like you say, money talks. But in terms of the Williams, Russell said that the car was very wind sensitive, which is a <laughs> not a great start. Um, but apparently there are some items promised for FP1 in Bahrain. So hopefully they'll have wheels. some upgrades. Well, you'd like to think. <laughs> some fresh wheels. Yeah, I've heard that twice from, from two different people. I was speaking to uh, Sam Collins on a podcast. He's the, the F1 tech guy. And he was saying that Williams have built an unusual car that might be really quick in some races when the conditions are just absolutely perfect. Like, do you remember, was it Haas maybe last uh, two years ago? When Mag- Magnussen would just bang it in P5 and you're like, oh, well, that's amazing. And then it would get to Q2, the wind changes by one mile an hour and he's 19th. And you're like, what? <laughs> um, so, yeah. It sounds like the Williams. That's is impressive like that. to finish nineteenth in Q two. I was thinking that. As soon as you said that, I was like, that doesn't make sense, does it? <laughs> All the comments going off now. Um, but you say so. Maybe perfect conditions. They might be up there. They're one point five seconds quicker than their qualifying lap in testing. But hey, and, there's a lot of different, a lot of different variables, different tire compounds, a lot more yeah, available. There, yeah, we'll see. Oh, apparently, the car is very strange and obliterate it was part part of obliterating for us i can't wait to see that um okay moving on walker s1096 says who finishes the season high i love how the last three people have all had four numbers at the end of their name they're, they're, they're not like burner accounts they're they're not p- just pin, number, question. They're, they're pin numbers <laughs> <laughs> who finishes the season higher williams or Haas? williams rebuilding versus Haas writing off the year it's going to be between two dustbins between you know for me it's just going to be i love that that gift so much the two <laughs> dustbins going down the road when it's flooded if you haven't seen it you, you you need to see it just type in rubbish bins or something as a gift anyway uh, i think it's going to be those two 
I think Williams will actually be ahead of Haas this year. Uh, I think they've clearly taken or put more into taking a step forward than than Haas have. And again, it will be for ninth and tenth. But uh, yeah, I, I see Williams being being ahead. Yeah, yeah, me too. They've they've looked like they're yeah going forwards, whereas Haas and especially have two rookies as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. That you've got to think that if Haas struggled with development with experienced drivers of Grosjean and Magnussen and then putting two F2 rookies in the car. Probably things aren't going to go much better, you'd think. But again, money talks. Uh, I would say Williams We keep saying well. episode one of Drive to, uh, Drive to Survive Season 3 over and over, don't we? <laughs> Ash is king. Yeah, it's true. I'm also in agreement with you too. I think Williams will be higher. They've got the more experienced and more reliable drivers of Russell and Latifi. Like you say, Haas have completely rookie lineup, which... Isn't always all bad. Look at Toro Rosso in 2015. They had uh, these two unknown drivers, Carlos Sainz and Max Verstappen. There's a rookie lineup. No, I don't know what happened to them. Um, But Williams are looking to be quick in what they've called the neutral conditions. Um, So like Tommy says, it has to be absolutely perfect. But I think with a Ferrari power unit in the back of the house and the fact they've got rookie drivers and literally just done a copy and paste on last year's car, I can't see them setting the world on fire podium round one here we go past yeah, <laughs> world champions confirmed. Yeah. <laughs> confirmed. okay next question guru goodly from testing who do you all three i love how you put that in the question not Thanks. just who do i everyone uh, think will be the dark horse of the season alpine or alpha tauri i think we've already kind of mentioned that alpha tauri look to be the ones that have maybe taken a step forward again it's all speculation and we're just going off yuki sonoda using drs the entire lap uh but you know gasly as, as katie mentioned put in a really good race stint of just c- c- looking very strong in terms of his consistency at the very least and uh was quicker than what charlotte claire's race run was at least although of course we don't know exactly what power modes and so on but looked good and we can we can sort of take that alpine did look good as well though uh and alonso up to speed very quickly uh which was Slight surprise, but then, of course, it's Fernando Alonso, and Tommy will say, it wasn't a surprise. I always expected this. <laughs> um, but Don't yeah, write I off think, Fernando. Exactly. You can't you can't write off Fernando, and it's great to have him back in the sport. I've kind of gone from, oh, I would have been nice to see a rookie, of course, but now I'm like, it's yeah, it's Fernando Alonso. It's, it's, it's a good thing to have someone that you know will get the absolute maximum out of this car uh, back on the grid, and, of course, he's a world champion as well. So... Uh, I think the dark horse w- will be Alpha Tauri, uh, but I think Alpine Alpine will have some good races as well over the season. Yeah, I yeah. guess Al- Al- Alpha Tauri again are the the dark horse, but I just realised we've not really spoken that much about McLaren, who maybe it's just because you can't everyone... call them dark horses. Though, no, that's what I mean. Like everyone <laughs> kind of expect expects them, but at the same time, I cannot believe you know we're, you're on this podcast saying that you reckon McLaren are going to be really good. And I will be the first to admit that I was kind of like, well, no, they need to get up to speed with a new engine. And they've just come straight out the blocks. They were, they were, yeah, straight on it. And they've got this kind of... Danny Rick maybe looking good a, Danny well. Rick looking really good. The They've not had any issues, which if you remember when they were with Honda, was an mm. absolute nightmare with them trying to get that new engine in the car. And it just seems like they've just got it sorted straight away. They've got this maybe illegal maybe amazing diffuser uh that apparently now every team is going to want to copy um so yeah mclaren looking really good 
But then, yeah, I guess you can't really call them a dark horse because they were third in the championship last year. So I think if we're going biggest surprise, Alpha Tauri. Yeah, I've said Alpha Tauri over Alpine as well because that Honda Power unit just looks so immense, which it could just be chance that they've done really well in pre-season testing and then when we get to the first few races we have the same issues of the power unit failing or blowing up or whatever but I think Alpha Tauri certainly look like they could be the dark horse of the season which I would love to see well we've we've successfully collected our jinxing powers and yep. put it all into Alpha Tauri now so they're going to be absolute trash coming into this season so uh, you can blame us when uh, when they're out in Q1 and have a dreadful season um yeah that's that's pretty much it for the uh testing podcast tommy final thoughts let's hope we have a close season <laughs> at least you didn't say no i don't have final thoughts yeah i don't have any no we just yeah people will maybe say we're stupid for believing this um <laughs> people Mercedes call us a lot hype. worse than stupid so that's, yeah, carry that's, on. True. that's very true um but come on, it's nice. Even even me as the most pessimistic person, I've got a little bit of optimism that at least at the start of the season, it might be pretty close. And wouldn't it be amazing to have a, you know, I'm sure regardless of who you support, no one will be upset with a Max Verstappen-Lewis Hamilton title fight going down to the final race. That would be incredible. Bottas triggered. Katie, what's your final thoughts? My final thoughts isn't anything particularly relating to testing, but I just wanted to pay my respects to to Murray Walker, who passed away um, at the weekend. I mean, I'm sure both of you guys, you're a little bit older than me, so you've probably grown up listening to him actually do his commentary. He had retired by the time I sort of um, was young enough to understand what was going in Formula One. But his voice um, is definitely the reason that I think a lot of people are so in love with Formula One. And uh, yeah, it was a huge loss to the motorsport community. And uh, yeah, I just wanted to pay my respects to him for my final thoughts. Lovely stuff, Katie. Yeah, um, myself and Tommy, we uh, we did a little piece, didn't we, on our watch along. Of course, not everybody would have watched that. But um, yeah, to echo uh, Katie's thoughts, it's, it was really sad to see Murray Walker passed away but at the same time it was more of a celebration because i mean it was 97 i mean what an innings that is from from uh the, the man that changed formula one for so many you know his voice just resonates uh with with it pretty much everyone that's that's ever watched the sport and i, I you know I've, I've put a tweet out saying that i'd love for something to be i'm sure there will be something made uh specific to him whether it's a corner or an area or whatever the media center some uh someone mentioned um so yeah you know murray was and will probably be the best ever, at least motorsports broadcaster ever, uh, if not best sports commentator. You know, the, the passion and the energy and the emotion he put into everything was was such a, an awesome thing to hear. And uh, of course, he has had his mistakes, but that just warmed us even more to him. Uh, so, yeah, it was really sad to see see Murray pass away. But at the same time, I, I feel blessed to have had him as as someone that, you know, we, we could listen to for so, so many years. Yeah, an amazing part of, like, like you say, he was my childhood growing up listening to Formula One, and I genuinely don't think I'd be love Formula One as much without him because he just had an amazing way of just, especially, what would I have been eight years old when I started watching uh, Formula One, having someone like that screaming at every single incident, even even. Um, I put on a, an old race, uh, like some some highlights and stuff, just to just to like remember some of his great commentary. And I was watching this old race, and I think it was Schumacher was catching 
Frentzen and it was four, the gap was four seconds going into the final lap. And any other commentator would just be like, well, this race is done. And I think Schumacher took half a second out and Murray Walker was going absolutely ballistic, like Schumacher was going to win the race. And there was not really any chance that Schumacher was going to win the race, but he just made everything amazing and exciting. And I think part of that is just why we love Formula One today. Yeah, brilliant stuff. Well, there you go. That's a lovely little tribute to, to Murray Walker. Uh, our best wishes go out to his his friends and family, of course. And uh, that's pretty much it. So uh, thanks so much for for watching and listening uh, this WTF1 podcast on testing. Uh, make sure to use the hashtag WTF1 podcast if you want to get involved in the conversation. We, of course, put stuff on social media as well on WTF1 official to if you ever want to ask any questions and be involved in this podcast. And also a quick thanks to our sponsors, LinkedIn Talent Solutions and ExpressVPN. And that's pretty much it. Thank you so much for watching, listening, wherever you are. Five stars, thumbs up. You know the drill. And we'll see you for another podcast very soon. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Bye.